0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated.
1: Tech Guide, episode 476. Hello and welcome to the show once again. Great to have your company. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, the NBN extends its fibre footprint once again. Now he's your suburb on that list. DJI has launched its new Mavic 3 drone and Epson has unveiled its new EcoTank range of printers so you can kiss ink cartridges goodbye. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new MacBook Pro We've also played the new Call of Duty Vanguard game and we also take a listen to Denon's range of home speakers and we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. I know that there are a lot of people whose ears prick up a little bit when I mentioned the NBN and Fibre and the expansion and faster speeds and when there's a list of suburbs to talk about, I think there's a lot of people clicking on and wanting to read that story or listening about what I'm about to say, just in case their suburb or town is on this list. So the NBN has... Put out their new list of suburbs and towns because this fibre upgrade across the network has is continuing. Uh, they've spent they're spending three point five billion dollars to expand the network. They're calling it the network upgrade program. Basically, the areas that were serviced previously with fibre to the node—that means fibres at the end of your block, the end of your street—not coming anywhere near your home yet these are the areas that have been identified to have the upgrade. And it will occur for fiber to the, for these areas that are getting the this fiber upgrade, this means that you can go from fiber to the node to fiber to the premises. Now, this doesn't happen on its own though. They have the fiber ready. So if you decide you want to move up to a home fast a home super fast or home ultra fast, you will get fiber if you're in one of these expansion areas to your doorstep, to the premises. So that would enable home fast is up to 100 megabits per second download, something that you couldn't get near on fiber to the node or home super fast, which is up to 250 megabits per second or home ultra fast, which is up to one gigabit per second. That's a 1,000 megabits per second. So if you sign up through your provider to any of those speed tiers in these areas, you're going to get fibre to your door. Now, there are towns and suburbs announced again in New South Wales, in Victoria, Queensland, South Australia, Western Australia. I'll name some. I won't name them all. all. There's a list of them on my site, on Tech Guide, on the story. Please head over and check it for yourself. New South Wales, some of the suburbs or towns is Anna Bay, Dubbo, Foresters Beach, Musselbrook, San Remo, and Wyong. They're just some of them, not all of them. You have to read all of them. Go to the website. I, don't, I haven't got time to read all of them from every every state. Victoria, Cape Patterson, Rosebud, Sale, and Yarra Glen. That's just some, by the way, not all. In Queensland, Avoca, Deception Bay, Mango Hill, South Australia, Greenwith, Smithfield, Western Australia, Edgewater, Ferndale, Port Kennedy, Stratton, Wanneroo. Again, not all, there's some. Check it out for yourself. If you're on that list, you might have even been on one of the previous lists that I've already mentioned uh, on the show in the past. There are all those stories and the list of those suburbs or towns in that particular expansion are also on Tech Guide. if you want want to take a read of that as well. Now, it says, NBN says that the latest expansion, that will enable those higher speed tiers from these eligible customers in these places from March next year. So the rollout's happening right now. And that's that's gone. They've already gone past 1.4 million premises in this expansion. This this latest announcement is going to add another 200,000 premises that are going to be served by fibre. That takes the total up to 1.6 million that's going to be uh, fibre ready. the The program uh, isn't isn't complete, by the way. They're they're hoping that by 2023 up to 8 million premises or 75% of homes and businesses on the network will be able to, uh, to access all of those highest wholesale speed tiers. So if you haven't got it yet, it's coming. But if you are, like me, already currently served with fibre to the curb, so that means fibre's running along the footpath outside my house, and the, from the pit to my home, that's copper. They are also going to be uh, uh, enabling full fiber upgrades as well. Because you think about it, upgrading fiber to the node is a, a lot of work. Upgrading fiber to the curb to fiber to the premises is only, in my case, it's like seven, six meters of fiber to get from the pit to my house. So that's, that's easier to upgrade fiber to the curb to fiber to the premises. And again, You'll be upgraded, like currently fibre of the curb customers, myself included, you can already get the fast plan, which is up to 100 megabits per second. But if I want to go up to 250 or a gigabit per second, from next year, I'll be able to put my hand up and then they'll do that upgrade to enable that speed tier to me to access that added speed. I'd love to get a gigabit per second. If if I could, it's going to cost more money, of course, but I, I would I would do that. I'd probably move up to the 250 megabits per second plan, which is kind of the the middle plan. That's the they've got the fast, which is hundred, super fast two fifty, I'd I'd go for that. Home ultra fast, that's a gigabit per second, that's some serious speed there. You know, if it wasn't too much extra, I'd I'd pony up the money. I'd I'd pay. But the the thing though with these plans to note is that the upload speeds aren't that crash hot. At the moment on my current plan, I get 100 megabits per second down and 40 up, up. So that's a plan that I've had for a couple of years now. And if you were to sign to a fast plan now, you'd get your 100 down, but you'd only get about 20 up. Same with the 250. I think that's only 20 megapixel up as well, 20 megabits per second up. I think the one gigabit per second, you might get 40 with that. But that that's important too to note. I know it's all about download speeds, but uploading too, especially in this age where a lot of people are working remotely, we need to be able to connect to our office, upload files, do those sorts of things, make your Zoom calls. That's they're all uploads. Even you like when you when you're accessing your security cameras from your phone from the shopping center or wherever you happen to be that's an upload as well so it's important to have a lot of bandwidth for your uploads because we are monitoring these devices making our zoom calls that's an upload if you if you're sending documents large files that's an upload you want that to be as fast as possible this podcast when i finish recording this podcast it's roughly about when the show's about 45 to 50 minutes the the show's roughly about 80 meg it's an 80 meg file With my 40 megabits per second upload speed, it takes like 15 seconds to upload that file, which is great. So uh, I think a lot of people uh, have to take note of that upload speed because uh, that, that needs to be pretty quick as well. So the NBN, it's moving. They are really filling in the gaps here. There was a lot of uh, a lot of complaints about the fibre to the to the node not really being that crash hot, and I think by their own admission, NBN that's the reason why they're spending three point five billion dollars of our money to upgrade it to make sure it is up to standard. Uh, it is a, a very much they're sort of filling in filling in the blanks. Let's just say they want to make the whole network uh, uh, as ca- capable of of accommodating those faster speeds for customers who really want them. If you don't want it. If you're happy with what you got, then you don't have to do anything. Don't worry. Everything will be the same. Nothing will change. But if you do want those faster speeds and you happen to be in one of these areas, it's your lucky day. You're going to be able to access those amazing speeds. You want to see that full list of suburbs and towns? You know where to find it. Techguide.com.au.
0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec.
1: Well, DJI has launched, get it, launched a new drone. (laughs) <laughs> the Mavic 3. This was, uh, they, they previewed this uh, event. It was like Friday afternoon, our time. And this is a serious upgrade to the, the previous Mavic model. And uh, I noticed, so I do, I'm a fan of this brand. I've got a few DJI drones, including my Inspire 2, a rather large drone. And they just get better and better. And they, in the case of the Mavic 3, it's, it's actually not that big. I think the, the larger drones, uh, like the Inspire 2, for example, that has a detachable camera system. Like I, I've got a camera system and I can attach different lenses to it. So that's like for real cinematography, serious photography and, and videography. But in the case of the Mavic 3 here, this has a twin lens system. It's got a Hasselblad camera, a main camera, and a second, second lens as well. And the unit itself has been redesigned tip to tail to make it even more aerodynamic. And you'll be surprised how stable the the Mavic is, even in high winds. I've reviewed the previous model and, and others before it. And in, in a hurricane, this thing is rock steady. It's incredible how it can really hold its position. And it's got its built-in gimbals as well so that it really it got, it offers such smooth uh, videography. It's, it's its incredible. Now, the Mavic 3 has a, a number of improvements, starting with the new 4x3 CMOS Hasselblad camera and 28 times hybrid zoom camera. It's got a 24mm prime lens to shoot 20 megapixel still images in 12-bit RAW format, if you want, and videos in 5.1Ks at 50 frames per second. Thanks very much. As well as, of course, 4K at 120 frames per second, so smoother footage. And that shooting at 5K, people think, why do I need at 5K? Even 4K, that does allow for cropping possibilities. So you can you can actually crop in on your on the video. So if you're a 5.1, for example, you can crop in on that and still have 4K kind of quality there, but uh, still have uh, still be able to gives you a little bit of leeway. Uh, that's that's why a lot of photographers shoot RAW. So RAW is, is a massive file that just opens up so many editing possibilities. 5.1 shooting video allows you to have that, those cropping uh, options afterwards as well. It's got a larger image sensor So that gives the the Mavic 3, gives it higher video resolution, but also greater dynamic range. And so the quality you get out of this thing is absolutely remarkable, especially too, they've made some improvements, uh, reduces noise in low light environments as well. So this is a really capable camera. Uh, the 24 millimeter equivalent autofocus lens has an 84 degree field of view. The second camera has a 162 millimeter tele lens with 28 times hybrid zoom, so that's digital bit of digital, bit of optical, uh, so you can get those distant images a little bit closer to you as well. And of course, on the on the safety side. It does have new vision detection autofocus technology. Actually, that's still on the camera side for faster focusing. Uh, it does have the sensors, improved sensors for safety. I'll get to that in a minute. But it is uh, able to give you a, a better result in a faster focus it's using multiple vision sensors so that it's really optimizing its focusing speed as well. So you're not having to wait around. It can record aerial videos at high resolutions and capture up to a billion colors, can you believe? It's got the new 10-bit D-Log color file and shoots ProRes, shoots the same format that the industry agrees on. So uh, it's remember the iPhone 13 Pro's, we were capable of ProRes, which is kind of an industry standard codec that, uh, for video. So imagine now the drone can capture that as well. Now let's talk about safety. It has the APAS 5. Uh, it's got the optical sensing, navigation systems have been improved. Pass 5, 5.0, takes inputs from six fisheye vision sensors and two wide angle sensors so it's always on the lookout for obstacles in all directions so safe flight route wherever you go even in if you're flying through a forest it'll uh, be able to tell you what you're doing where you're going and prevent you from dro- from flying into a tree the uh, the obstacle sensing system has way better subject tracking as well uh, that's got the upgraded active track 5.0 Now, anyone who's had a DJI drone in the past knows that it is really easy to track a subject. Normally, they just go left, right, forward, back. But now the active track 5.0 means the Mavic 3 can not only move with the subject as it moves forward, backward, left, right, diagonally, but it can also fly alongside around a moving object. So it's moving and tracking a moving object at the same time. Uh, it does has that that is a pretty big improvement for that for uh, active track 5.0. Also has improved positioning algorithms with signals from GPS so it can acquire multiple satellite signals faster. now. GPS is very important for a drone flying outdoors because it helps hold it in place and you know exactly where it is. Uh, you can let go of the sticks and it's just going to sit there. That, that's with uh, thanks to the GPS mode there. So it does does have increased hovering accuracy. So even better stability when shooting things like long exposures or even time lapses. Time lapses with a drone are incredible because you can sort of move it. It's, it's like you can move it. You know, to do this with a stationary camera, you need like, a track uh, and so for it to sort of shuffle sideways slowly so you can imagine doing a time lapse and and the the mavic 3 moving ever so slightly in one direction to give you that incredible effect uh, of movement while doing the time lapse as well the dji uh the mavic 3 it's available now actually so many features there's a lot of accessories you can buy as well uh it does have the, the 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 modes that we're used to master shots panorama mode quick transfer that's there as well there are all different combos you can buy also starts at 3,099 bucks now that includes the mavic 3 drone a battery i shouldn't talk about the battery actually the battery the flight time they're quoting now as up to forty-five minutes of flight time, which is remarkable on, on a single battery, and they're saying that the power management system is even better, the aerodynamics are even better. So you're getting that's a combination that brings you up to forty-five minutes of flight time, which is great if you're an aerial photographer. There's a bit more freedom to do to shoot what you want to shoot without worrying about having to change the batteries every twenty minutes. That really does change it up. Seriously, for an aerial photographer, so three thousand and ninety-nine. That gets you the drone, the ch- a battery, the controller, a cable, the battery charger, and a spare spare pair of uh, of uh, spare propellers. The fly the Mavic three fly more combo. That's four thousand one hundred and ninety-nine dollars. That includes the drone. That includes three batteries, the remote control. It is the smart remote too, by the way. So that's a remote with a little screen on it. That comes with the standard version also. And you get a charging hub, you get a carrying bag. I always opt for the the, the Fly More combo because if you were to buy all that separately, it would cost way more than $4,199. And then there's the Cine, the Cine Premium Combo. So this is for serious videographers, cinematographers that has a, it's $7,199, but it's had a built-in one terabyte drive, and supports Apple's ProRes 422 HQ video recording, has the three batteries, has charging hub, storage, cover, filters as well, all sets of filters, and a carry bag and a 10 gigabit per second light speed data cable, among other items. So you can spec it up if you want to, uh, but I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on this. This looks like the must-have drone. If you're a serious drone photographer, there's no need to have a massive, massive drone uh, because this this shows you can really capture some amazing footage and photos with a drone that folds up uh, into quite a small size. The DJI Mavic 3, if you want to read more about it, you can find that at techguide.com.au Okay, next up we're talking Epson and its new range of eco printers. Now, I know I get a lot of questions about these printers because Everyone needs a printer. We've we've got our home workspaces now. There are kids studying at school, people working remotely, and we do still need to print stuff. And one frustration you have to agree is when you run out of ink and you've got to rush out and buy bloody cartridges and it's a real hassle and not cheap either. Well, the EcoTank range of Epson printers, this isn't uh, isn't Epson's first range of EcoTank. This is uh, the, the latest range of EcoTank. These have been in the market for a few years now. And they don't use ink cartridges whatsoever. They come with enough ink to print thousands of color and black and white pages out of the box. So you can, uh, there's, I've, I think I've had my printer for two years, two and a half years. I think I've topped up the, the ink once in that time. I've got the, the, the older, the 4750. And I'm going to replace it with the 4850, which is part of the new range. And that review will be on Tech Guide in another week or so. But the whole range has been improved, so a lot more efficient. And again, the ink delivered from the onboard tanks, filled with the included ink bottles you get in the box. So uh, it does also work with the Epson Smart Panel app, both for iOS and Android. And that makes working and printing from home even easier. So it is. it really turns your phone into a control centre for your Epson's printers and scanners and all of those things so you can monitor, print, scan and do more from the palm of your hand. So there's a range of products, the ET2811, the ET3800, ET4800, ET short for EcoTank by the way, and ET4850. Uh, so it's, it's up the varying sizes and capacities and prices of course and different size LCD screens as well. So you can choose, the cheapest one is the 2811 ET2811, 399 And that gets you, you can, out of the box, you can print up to 8,100 pages or 6,500 color pages. So that is some serious printing out of the box. So that's in the, in the, in the other in the other more expensive printers there's enough ink to print up to 14,000 black and white pages so that's the equivalent of hundreds of individual cartridges that, that would it would take to do that so they do use the ink bottles are what they call the clean and easy ecofit auto stop ink bottles, so it's not like you're going to spill your ink everywhere they've got a special nozzle at the top that you put on top of the tank And it connects to the nozzle and opens it so it can only flow into the tank. So don't think you're going to make a mess. It is really simple and really uh, a clean way of doing it as well. So uh, no confusion either where the ink's got to go. It's clearly marked in the colours. There's black, cyan, magenta and yellow. It is clear where it has to go. Uh, So... $399 399 is the cheapest, the most expensive is the ET4850, which is 649 and that's got duplex printing, copying, scanning, faxing, fax is still a thing, you know, faxes are considered more secure by a lot of people, there's also a record of it as well, so faxes in some industries, I think in the legal industry too, In in uh, that is that is an important factor there, uh, and still in use, so uh, if you, when you're seeing fax, you think, who the hell's using fax, it's still a thing, so... Um, that's why it's on the features there. And of course, they're all Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi Direct. They've got Apple AirPrint as well, so you can print from your iPad, your iPhone. So it will work with that as well. The ET4850 has a 2.4-inch color LCD display, and it's the one that can print the 14,000 pages out of the box in black and white, 5,200 in color, uh, and has a huge uh, print capa- uh, page storage capacity too. You can, uh, it's got a bigger paper capacity, the holder... Uh, so you you find yourself replacing the paper a lot less often but i think this is the this is the way to go if you want to save yourself some money yeah they're a bit more expensive than your tradi- traditional printers but you'll make your money back in a few months because you're not going rushing out to buy 120 bucks worth of cartridges every 3 weeks so definitely worth considering the Epson EcoTank range of printers you can see them all at techguide.com.au <coughs>
0: Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick.
1: The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, if you're an online gamer, you want the best performance while still helping to maintain your computer's security. And that's exactly what Norton 360 for Gamers offers. The patented Game Optimizer technology can help maximise gaming performance while still helping to maintain the level of security you've come to expect from Norton LifeLock. Game Optimizer can free your PC from power-hungry programs running in the background that eat up your system's resources, helping you get more performance out of your rig. Whether you're a hardcore gamer or just a casual player, Norton 360 for Gamers helps provide multiple layers of protection for your devices, game accounts, and digital assets. Norton 360 for Gamers also includes features that help protect against cyber threats, including malware and webcam takeovers. If you want to help ensure all the available computing power of your system is allocated to the game for maximum performance, while still helping to maintain maximum protection, then put Norton 360 for Gamers on your team. Listeners of the Tech Guide podcast will receive a 50% discount to a year's subscription of Norton 360 for Gamers by using the promo code TECHGUIDE when they visit au.norton.com forward slash techguide.
0: And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec.
1: Our first review this week. We're looking at the new MacBook Pro. We uh, we've got the fourteen-inch M1 Pro edition. So for those who uh, may have read a few weeks ago and heard on our podcast, Apple's new MacBook Pros. There's a fourteen-inch and a sixteen-inch version. They announced two new processors: the M1 Pro and the M1 Max, and which this just enables just incredible performance, incredible speeds. And we received for our review the 14-inch M1 Pro. So that's not the Pro M1 Pro Max. It's still a powerful processor, though. For our purposes, it's like breaking an egg with a sledgehammer. So much more power than we would ever need. Uh, and I think uh, for for creative professionals who are dealing with a lot of video, with audio and 3D graphics and rendering and coding They're the customer for this computer. The most I get out of mine is if I'm editing a video in Final Cut Pro, which is the the MacBook Pro M1 Pro uh, 14-inch is not even going to break a sweat. But there are other customers who need that sort of level of performance that they could only previously get from either a desktop or a laptop that was plugged into power. That's one thing I learned with this computer is that the battery efficiency is such that it can perform tasks that on on bat running on battery power that was unheard of before the release of this product so that that in itself is quite impressive but as i said we had the 14 inch m1 m1 pro chip so it had it's actually got a screen area of 14.2 inches and with that screen you'll notice that there is a lot more it's kind of the same size chassis as as, as a as a previous model, even not much bigger than the 13-inch chassis, but because of the smaller borders, uh, the screen goes edge to edge, top to bottom, and does fit a larger screen in what would traditionally been a smaller display area with that had wider wider borders. If you know what I mean, so it's it is fitting a larger screen in a chassis that would have normally been say for a 13-inch computer. So it's really those thin borders make up a lot of space. So it goes so far down the screen that the words MacBook Pro on previous models is no longer there. MacBook Pro is now on the bottom of the computer. It's it's emblazoned across the base. Uh, the top of the computer, the lid, has a larger Apple logo than the previous model. I, I've got a side-by-side comparison of the 13-inch M1 Pro and the 14-inch uh, the 13-inch MacBook Pro with M1 and the 14 inch with M1 Pro, I've got them side by side. And you can see a couple of subtle differences. The Apple logo's bigger. The 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 computer seems to have sort of gone back to the future with its design. The older MacBook Pros, the, the Power PC Mac Pros back in the day, had a similar design to what they've given us now. So a flatter lid, no, not so much of a curve on the lid. A sort of u-shaped bottom chassis as well slightly heavier too i gotta to say it is a bit heavier than what you'd expect and slightly thicker as well so that's to fit in the new m1 pro there's a there's a new cooling system on board as well although i never heard a single fan where, since i've been using it either but it, it is a, a quite a difference in terms of the design with the screen as well, it is a Liquid Retina XDR display, and it's got uh, amazing dynamic range. So if you're viewing HDR content, high dynamic range content, you'll see a massive improvement. The other The other change too is its backlight. It's using mini LED technology, so more than 2,000 local dimming zones and a contrast ratio of a million to one on a laptop. So if you're watching your content, it does look absolutely stunning. But it is uh, with on the screen, one thing you'll notice is a little notch at the top of the display, which is very similar to what you'd find on an iPhone. And that notch, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's a little bit of a sort of stands out a bit like a sore thumb. But when you think about it, it's positioned where the menu bar is anyway. It's not interfering with your content. If you've got a lot of options in the menu bar, it is going to cut some of them off. You still access them and the mouse disappears when you put it up there. And that's where the FaceTime HD camera is located, by the way. That's why there is a notch in the first place. I would have loved to have seen a Face ID camera like there is on the iPhone. That would have been brilliant. So you open up the computer, it looks at your face, and boom, it's unlocked. That would have been cool. They've, they've got Touch ID. It means you've got to put your finger on a, on a little fingerprint reader like you would on a home button on an old iPhone. Face ID would have been brilliant. Maybe that's next year's model. Anyway, I'm going to drop that one in the suggestion box for Apple. Uh, The other improvement with the screen is the Pro Motion, And this is adaptive refresh rate. So refresh rate goes up to 120 hertz, uh, similar to what they introduced on the iPad Pro this year. And so that means that the screen, when you're watching videos, scrolling, doing things, it is going to look a lot smoother. And so it can detect what you're doing and adapt the refresh rate to match that. Just like if you're looking at a static image or viewing viewing a web page, you don't need 120 hertz. It's going to dumb it down to, or not dumb it down, bring it down, to 10 hertz. So there's no need for scrolling. There's no, why tax the battery? It's going to say, right, here's what you're doing. This is all you need. And save the battery in the process. If it stayed at 120 hertz all the time, the battery would have uh, would run down a lot faster. Uh, you'll see some phones give you the option of having 120 hertz or 60 hertz. And there is a solid warning I think some of the older Samsung phones had this, that if you do opt for the 120 hertz, it will have an impact on the battery. But in this case, because it's adaptive, it can do that all on the fly and just give you that added refresh rate only when you need it, which is great news, especially if you are dealing with video and all these sorts of things that involve a lot of motion, uh, scrolling. It does just look better, helps you work better. I kind of like it. The keyboard, uh, the, the touch bar is gone. The little touch bar that I had on the 13-inch MacBook Pro, and I, I've got to be honest, I didn't use it that often. I, I was—it's sometimes I, I maybe hit it to bold a word or to, to change something, but it wasn't really something I used that often. And Apple have kind of conceded here that you know what, I think you don't need it. They've given us the full height function row of keys to replace that touch bar. Um, yeah, you know, I do like the tactile feel of those function keys, especially when you want to just to adjust the volume and the brightness. It was like a couple of added steps to do that with the with the touch bar, but now they've got the dedicated keys, so that is something we enjoy as well. Now, in terms of performance, I've already spoken about how you know the the improvement that for that videographers, photographers developers and anyone who's using those high-end applications using lots of data they will be gobsmacked and how much this has improved it really has um, and the, the this is a game changer for those users the, those professional level users will think wow this is unheard of like when using Lightroom Classic you can expect up to three and a half times improvement when you're ingesting images batch editing reviewing images things like that if you're using Xcode, it'll, it'll have 3.7 times faster compile speeds. 3D artists can work with now extreme geometry and textures in scenes on a laptop, running on battery power, which, as I mentioned at the top, unthinkable before the release of the MacBook Pro with M1 and M1 Pro Max processors. Rendering 4K footage is now 13 times faster with this with the Macbook pro and 8k footage is 2.9 times faster that's just two examples of the performance improvements so for those who have a workflow that does rely on moving around all this content and editing and and doing all these things rendering all those things well they'll think that they're all their Christmases have come at once with this one one thing we've really liked the changes of here for is on the connectivity side I really appreciate the fact that Apple has brought back the SD card slot They've also brought back the HDMI port and the MagSafe charger. The SD card slot, I remember at the time writing that this was a mistake. I really regretted uh, that I, I questioned why Apple would do that to their, especially to their pro users who were needing to get stuff off a camera, video, photos off, off a camera through the SD card and then removing that slot just made dongle makers rich, I think, uh, back in the day. They've also reintroduced the HDMI port, so you can now connect it to external an external monitor, your TV, and this has enough power to support up to three pro display XDRs and a 4K TV. That's serious power right there. And uh, the MagSafe is back as well, MagSafe 3. So it attaches magnetically while it's charging. And if you, say, happen to have this on a movie set or in a film studio and someone walk, walks past, trips over your charge cable, they're not going to send your the MacBook Pro hurtling across the room. It's just going to detach uh, harmlessly from the magnetic attachment there. So there is a reason for that. And I think a lot of people will be happy that it has returned. The, uh, the I think this is a little bit of an admission that maybe Apple got it wrong. They may have thought, you know what, we need to put these features back, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, there's a new 1080p FaceTime HD camera, so your calls are much clearer, your video calls, and God knows how many we're making nowadays. We're still doing a lot of Zoom calls, uh, Teams, Skype, you name it. We're all we're all on involved in some sort of uh, video meeting in the last couple of years. So why not look even better with your FaceTime HD camera, 1080p resolution? Now, I mentioned the battery life, the added battery life. So there's this power efficiency created here that really does give you solid battery performance. And in terms of comparisons to last year's M MacBook Pro with M1, these latest models have a slight improvement in battery performance over the M1, and M1 improvements from the Intel-based max was night and day. It was incredible. Have not seen a bigger improvement from one generation to the other. This continues that improvement and and maybe ticks ahead a little bit a little bit more uh, with b- battery performance. We're talking like up to twenty one hours of video viewing and uh, ten hours of longer than the previous Mac, 14 hours of wireless web browsing, which is three hours more than the previous generation. So it all adds up to more battery life. You can do more and more on the go. Now, I should mention, in terms of pricing, the MacBook Pros, the new ones, they don't, they're do not they not cheap. The 14-inch MacBook Pro starts at $2,999. The 16-inch starts at $3,749. And you know what? That may, to many people, that might sound expensive but to creative professionals who can take advantage of the performance and power and the convenience this is going to bring, they will be more than willing to pay those prices. The M1 Pro MacBook Pro 14-inch, that's our review. You can read all about it, see everything we've spoken about at techguide.com.au. Alrighty, let's uh, change it up a little bit. Let's change gears and get into Call of Duty Vanguard, the new game. I love it. I'm a big Call of Duty fan. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a massive COD fan. If you're on the PlayStation Network, by the way, or no, any, I think they're all cross-platform now, the multiplayer. If you do come across a player named Sharky68, watch yourself. You better hope I'm on your team. So feel free to say g'day if you we do bump into each other online. Uh, playing Call of Duty, but I did finish the campaign, took me a couple of days, the Vanguard game is set during World War II, and I think you really need to see this to believe it, it does sound incredible, looks incredible, just so photorealistic, it has gone to the next level, this is absolutely remarkable, so lifelike, the actors involved, I'm thinking they might as well just video this thing. It looks incredible. It's like real life. You see the pores of their skin, the sweat and the sheen and all these effects of lighting and it is so real, it'll take your breath away. Just absolutely incredible. And it really does take you to multiple locations, puts you right in the middle of the action. Like this is set during World War II. It does take you to many parts of the world and and does, I like how the story weaves in and out of the actual events of World War II as well. It doesn't rewrite history. It just embellishes a little bit. It adds a little bit to it in the terms of these characters. And you are introduced to the main characters. There's there's an Australian in it too, Australian soldier. His, his name's Lucas Riggs. And you hear him for much of the game, and we're talking like his Aussie accent and the his slang and his sledges, it is really cool. He's got quite a role. There's also British officer Arthur Kingsley uh, and Richard Webb, another British officer, a Russian soldier named Paulina Petrova, that's a woman, and American Wade Jackson. They're sort of the main characters on that form this squad, and you get a chance to play all of them in the game. Now, what I like about this game too is it has its own storyline as they're as you're progressing, but I love how it uses a lot of flashbacks, so you really get to learn the backstory of all of these soldiers and where they fought. So it does take you through Tonga and you're in Midway and then you're in in Hamburg and then you're in St- Stalingrad. And it's incredible how all the different different locations and different, it, it, this I know this is a first person shooter, but there are so many situations where you are put in the middle of something and like, for example, you, you jump into a plane at one point, you, you take off and you're a dive bomber, you're, you're dogfighting against Japanese airplanes, and it, it, uh, it is so real that it, it feels like you're there doing this. There are other situations where these set action pieces and you're in the, involved in explosions and other things that go wrong, and you, uh, you have to sort of get to the end of the mission. And, and the good thing about it too is that there's a lot of variety in in the gameplay it's not just okay sh- there's people in front of you you have to shoot them there's a lot of times where you've got to use your brains a little bit you've got to be a bit tactical you've also got to be stealthy as well I, I like those sections where you, you've got to try go undetected like there's a section where you play the pilot the pilot crashes and you're in the you're in the middle of the of the I think the Papua New Guinea jungle and you've got to find your other crewmate and you can't be making a lot of noise because a lot of there's a lot of troops around that are going to gang up and you're outnumbered. So you really got to use your wits, keep your wits about you, and and uh, just try to stay in the shadows and not be detected. And if you are detected, you got to try to do like a silent takedown. It, it is a real challenge. So a lot of variety in the gameplay. It's not just a stand them up, shoot them out sort of fight. There is a bit of variety to it. Now on the multiplayer side, and that is such a great that's a really popular part of Call of Duty. And uh, the again the multiplayer with uh, Call of Duty Vanguard is exceptional. Now the game is made by Sledgehammer Games, who have got some some pretty good runs on the board in previous model versions of Call of Duty. This time out, there are twenty multiplayer maps. That's the most ever from day one of a new Call of Duty game. Normally, there's like twelve or maybe sixteen. I think there's been once, but there's twenty. And of course, you've got your traditional team deathmatch and domination, all these other different game modes. What they've added here is the ability to have more players in the game. Before, it used to be a 6v6 team deathmatch. Now it's, it can be 12v12, 24v24. It's like mayhem in some games. Uh, and then there are other games where you, you need to sort of use, use your brains a little bit, be a bit more tactical, work with your teammates. But again, the multiplayer experience is, again, top shelf and the maps are also have you a great variety so there are some tight maps where you really need to run and gun and you never know what's around the corner there are other larger maps as well where you can sort of be a bit more tactical and use your different types of weapons as well Uh, so i thoroughly enjoyed the campaign thoroughly enjoyed the multiplayer will continue to be on the multiplayer so keep an eye out sharky68 give me a little tap on the shoulder if you're in a game with me hopefully you're on my team okay and another great touch too with the multiplayer there's a new thing now where they put up three players at the end of the game as the candidates for the MVP most valuable player and you know there's like you know this bloke got the best uh, most multi kills this woman got uh, most of the, be- the player of the game and you get to you get to vote on the MVP and i actually won the MVP one time i was i think i had the most multi kills in the game and I was voted by the other players, so you vote on who you want to win the award, and I won. That was really cool. I took a took a screenshot of that. I'll, I'll put it up on my story, my review on Tech Guide as well. But uh, that is a nice added touch to the multiplayer. So yeah, Call of Duty Vanguard is an amazing sensory experience, both campaign multiplayer. They've nailed it. Look, there are some parts of the game where I, I didn't like. There was it wasn't obvious where you had to go. There were times where they needed more checkpoints like there was really long battle and if you die right near the end you're going to go all the way back a long way and start it all again which is a bit frustrating i think more checkpoints needed in some parts uh and some parts was wasn't obvious where i had to go i had just got to look look at the look at my mission uh, and instructions and see where i had to go but again minor minor issues here definitely not a deal breaker i love this game call of duty vanguard if you're a call of duty fan you won't be disappointed if you're new to the franchise welcome aboard you're gonna love it if you want to read more about our review you can check it out techguide.com.au Now, Denon is a well-known brand when it comes to quality audio, so it makes sense that this company would release a range of home smart wireless speakers. We've got the Denon Home 150, the 250, and the 350, so it's sort of big, bigger, biggest, so it gives you an option on how much power, uh, the sort of the, the scale of sound that you want, and the quality of the sound you want, obviously the bigger the better, that's my attitude, but uh, they all have an Ethernet port so you can connect directly to your home's broadband with a cable. They've got these uh, also, of course, Wi-Fi, so you can set them up like a multi-speaker wireless multi-speaker system so they can play the same music or different music all through the Denon app as well. It, uh, it, uh, it's actually the Heos app, H-E-E-O-S uh, H-E-O-S is the is the app the Heos technology is on board actually so you can control the speakers, group them together, manage them in your in your home, connect all your different uh, subscription your streaming music streaming services as well uh, and uh, it, it does really you do, you do hear the quality even the 150 which is uh, the smallest the smallest speaker of the family really does can easily fill a room. They've all got Ethernet ports as well, so you can connect them, if they're close enough, directly to your home's broadband with a cable. If it's close enough to the modem or a, you might be near a mesh router, you can easily connect it with a cable. Uh, the acoustics on board have been developed uh, you know, this is 110 years of, of sound innovation that Denon's got behind them here. So you really do hear the quality. Each of the speakers have been tuned, uh, they've got digital signal processing and their own drivers for amazing clarity, really good bass as well. You're getting out of these as well. The HEOS app really does add a lot of conveniences also. Uh, Each speaker is linked through your home's Wi-Fi to the Heos app, and that allows you to name the device's location, so you can control them individually or play them in groups. It depends what you want to do, but uh, you can link your streaming services, your music streaming services like Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, Deezer, Napster, TuneIn Radio, Tidal, uh, and it does also have AirPlay as well, so you can connect to your, to say you can play AirPlay 2, say you want to stream your Apple Music wirelessly, you can do that if you've got AirPlay as well. I looked at that list and thought, where's Apple Music? But I did realise that you can stream Apple Music directly from your device using AirPlay 2. Uh, The speakers can play, obviously, up to 192 kilohertz, 24-bit files. Uh, so, can if you if you're into your high-res audio, like you're subscribing to Tidal, for example, and now Apple Music also plays uh, those lossless and higher quality. You can also enjoy that quality with that as well. Now, the top of the speakers, there are no buttons, but they do have these capacitive buttons, and. At first, the top of the speaker is just black. There's nothing there. But when you bring your hand close to it, there's a proximity sensor and it illuminates the touch panel. So it doesn't distract you from your music. It only illuminates when your hand is nearby and if you want to change a setting, which I thought was a pretty cool touch. There are also three quick select buttons so you can create a shortcut to your favorite internet radio stations. Always handy if you've got a particular station in mind. I'm on 2GB three times a week, so hopefully that'll be one of your favourites. The prices, the Denon 150 is $399, weighs about 1.7 kilos, is about 18.7 centimetres tall, the Denon 250 is 6.99. That weighs 3.7 kilos, is 21.6 centimeters tall, and then all the way up to the Denon 350, that's 999 bucks. That's the big daddy. That weighs eight and a half kilos and it's 33.8 centimeters tall. So definitely worth it. So 150 is is 3.99. The Denon 250 6.99. The Denon 350 9.99. Bigger, bolder designed for users who want the best sound out of one unit the denon home range of speakers really high quality sound connected versatility also so you can stream your favorite music and content anywhere and uh, can all be controlled through your phone using that app as well but superb sound quality nothing less that we'd expect from denon if you want to check that out our story is at techguide.com.au
0: you're listening to tech guide with Stephen fennec This is
1: the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by our good friends at Belkin. They can, they've can they got lots of products, cables, wireless chargers, power banks. They've even got a cool MagSafe range of products as well. Check them out, belkin.com forward slash au. I've got a lot of questions from people. I'm surprised at the number of people who don't have aerials at their place. They, they think, look, I've got this smart TV but I want to watch some free-to-air TV sometimes. I don't have an aerial. Is there a solution without me having to spend uh, money on an expensive aerial? And my answer is yes, there is. Because being a smart TV, you can take advantage of your internet connection, your broadband connection, and you'll be able to stream uh, free-to-air apps, which often have a way to view the live stream, so live free-to-air TV through your internet connection. I had one question, a guy uh, who has Foxtel has a satellite dish, but the problem with having Foxtel satellite dish is they don't rebroadcast all the other channels of free-to-air. Like 10 has seven and channel seven has six and channel nine has a certain number. They're not all rebroadcasted through the satellite dish. So my response to him was, well, your smart TV is smart, it's connected, download the i think you wanted to watch uh, soccer and it was only available on 10 bold which is one of the channel 10 channels and i said look download the 10 play catch-up app and 10 bold is one of the streams you can view through your internet connection so you can still watch free-to-air tv even without an antenna a lot of people will be happy to know so uh yeah you're not going to miss a thing And that there is our show for this week. That went so fast. We hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, if you need to find out anything, of course, you can find it at techguide.com.au. If you want to get in touch with us, our email is info at or click on the Ask Stephen icon and you'll get straight through to me for any query you might have, and you might be the question that we're we're talking about on the Tech Guide Desk. We'd like to thank our sponsors as well, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that keeps you, your family, and your devices safe online. Please support the sponsors who support the Tech Guide podcast. Thanks once again for listening. We'll be back yet again with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. We'll